to Apostates Anonymous, the show you turn to when you're no longer a heretic. I'm your host, Matthew J. DiStefano, and for the next hour, I'll be your Sherpa to nowhere in particular. Nowhere in particular. Hey, what's happening, everyone? Uh, welcome to another episode of Apostates Anonymous. I'm your host, Matthew J. DiStefano, and we are in for a rocking good time. I am excited to spend the entire episode, pretty much the entire episode, talking to new choir author Brandon Dragon. We're going to talk about his novel, his debut novel, the Wages of Grace. We're going to get into why he wrote it, kind of what it's about, kind of the message behind it, and uh, some other stuff. I don't even know what, but it's going to be epic. And where else can you get a Tottenham and an Arsenal supporter cordially talking about life? Except for here on the uh, the Apostates Anonymous podcast. Uh, love Brandon, love his work. I've uh, been friends with him for a while now. So excited to give him the great majority of this episode to talk about his novel. I would encourage everyone to go pick it up. Again, it's called The Wages of Grace. I'm going to link to it in the show notes, but it's through Choir Publishing. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it on your e-reader, whatever you're, whatever you're rocking. And if you're like me, of course, you can get it in paperback and get your hands on it, which is what I always like to do with books. But you may be a, a Kindle type of person, so... Pretty sure it's available on there as well. TheWagesOfGrace.com, link in the show notes. And before we get rolling by giving Brandon a call, I just want to tell you all, thank you so much for signing up to my Patreon. Um, I am 10 patrons short of being able to commit myself full-time to content creation. So if you want to be one of those folks who produces this show and helps produce other things that I'm writing and creating, head on over to patreon.com slash mjdistefano. Also link in the show notes for as little as $1 a month. Uh, it goes up from there. You can uh, support me and unlock exclusive stuff that is just for Patreon producers. And I consider them producers because without their backing, stuff like this doesn't get produced. You know, websites cost money, gear costs money. I got bills to pay. You pay my bills, you pay my telephone bills. We all got bills. So um, help me pay my automobiles. Automobile bills? Automobile, what the fuck is the lyric? I don't know. But thank you anyway to everyone who supports me on Patreon. Now, without further ado, adieu, adieu. let's give Brandon Dragon a call. And learn all about his little book. Hello. Hello, love. <laughs> How are right? you? I'm all right. How are you? Good, man. How was your Thanksgiving? Was it good? Yeah, it was pretty good. I uh, got to unwind a little bit after a... Uh, after a long semester, so it was nice. Yeah, a semester of of learning the law. That's right. Yeah, or or at least being told that that's what I was supposed to be doing. 
Yeah. So, so how how long how long until you can defend me if I get in trouble? Well, first you have to move to Tennessee. Well, okay. Um, assuming I'm in Nashville. <laughs> yeah. So I've got a I've got a year and a half of law school left, and then we'll just have to do that little thing called passing the bar. The bar. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, then we'll be all good, and um, yeah, like uh, like you mentioned, I'm hoping to get into mainly criminal defense, although there are some other some other aspects of law that I'm interested in. But uh, that's kind of the one that got me excited and interested in going to law school, and you know, that's kind of what gets me excited about getting out of bed in the morning. So, well, I, I know what I'm. I, I'm going to talk to you about something. Um... But I know what doesn't get you excited out of bed right now is your your Arsenal team. I just have to make a mention because y'all haven't scored a goal in fucking forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, laugh it up. So. But I, hey, but I brought you on. I brought you on to talk about something else. But I, I had to throw that in there. Is this a football Friday? Did I miss that? No the memo somewhere or no? No, no, no. It's, yeah, it's 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 been rough watching, man. It's uh, it's disappointing. Um, for all the talent that we've got and, um, yeah, you just don't know, man. Some of the players have just, Willian looks tired. I don't know why Lacazette can't hit the net for anything. And, you know, and then Ozil is, uh, you know, our world cup winner, number 10, one of the most creative players in the world is, uh, making 350 K a week sitting in his, uh, London flat. So who knows? Yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been weird. Yeah, it's a long season, though, you know. It It is a long season, so people who get too down or too excited need to calm down. So Definitely. But I just thought I'd throw it in there before um, yeah. be- before we talked about your book. You know, kick well, it off, put you in a bad mood, yeah. and, then, uh, and then... I appreciate well. that very much. <laughs> so you wrote a book, man. It's your first book. I did. Yes, yeah. my first novel. Yes, yes. Yeah, you've got it. You've got a couple short stories out there, but this is the first, uh, the first full thing. It is, yeah, and it's um, it's taken a long, long time, um, like eleven years in the making, which is which is just crazy to think about. Um, you know, my uh, my oldest daughter is going to be ten next year, and I started writing this thing before she was even born, so. Um, it's it's pretty crazy, but I'm proud of it. It's called The Wages of Grace. Um, was really uh, honored to have have it put out by choir, uh, and and yeah, I'm, I'm I've been excited about the response I've got so far. Uh, people have have certainly seemed to enjoy it, and uh, you know, it's interesting hearing from people who maybe didn't know that I wrote uh, or that I wouldn't expect to read something that I wrote, but people from you know, middle school and that kind of thing, uh, who have been getting in touch with me about it. So it's been interesting to, uh, to reconnect with some people and meet some new, new people through it. So. Yeah. That's always the cool thing about like writing stuff and you, you, you get to meet people that you would have obviously never, ever, ever imagined meeting, but it's such a cool thing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the, the, a little bit of the basis of, of the story behind the story, so to speak. Uh, I always joke about how a, I, I came to Nashville at the age of 18 from Northeastern New Jersey to uh, try to become a songwriter slash rock star, like everybody else that comes to Nashville. And so before I attempted to write this hundred thousand word novel, 
like the longest thing I'd ever written was like a six minute song. So (laughs) (laughs) it was, uh, it was quite the endeavor, but, um, I've always enjoyed writing. My mom tells me a story about my, uh, my fourth grade teacher, Mrs. Tortorello, who, uh, one of the parent teacher conferences, she told my mom, you know, most of the kids, like if I assign them a writing project, they come up to me with like a paragraph written and they're like, Hey, is this enough? Is this, is this long enough? And she's like, your son, Brandon comes up to the desk and he's like, can I have more paper, please? (laughs) (laughs) So, um, it's always been something I've enjoyed. Yeah. It's always been there, huh? For sure. For sure. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, was at the time it was 2009 uh that the idea for the story hit me uh i was working a job selling jewelry for a manufacturer and so my wife and i were married we were living around nashville uh and i was covering southern indiana kentucky mississippi alabama and georgia so i was on the road a lot and i was somewhere between jackson and dixon tennessee on interstate 40 coming home from a trip when this thought hit me um about two brothers who you know were involved with the same girl or interested in the same girl and then uh she went missing or she died in kind of suspect circumstances and the brothers, you know, one bl- brother blamed the other. And, and mm. I, I, I had to pull over on the, I mean, at an exit off the interstate and just take some notes down furiously. And of course the idea developed over time, but um, I mean, I wrote, I started writing, I didn't even have a computer at the time. So I, like I would write in the business centers of hotels and then just email it to myself um, and, and went from there. And then uh, when I did get a laptop, uh, I ended up, um, this is a really stupid, but also kind of amusing story. Um, I password protected the project. And then, you know, as a typical creative with lots of self-doubt that I carry around, I didn't look at it for like six months and completely forgot the password. <laughs> Um, I even, yeah. And I think I probably had like 25,000 words written to that point. Um, I even bought this like Russian decoder, you know, password breaker software to like try to get into it and was (laughs) never able to. And, uh, and so I started over and, uh, that was just the story of this thing was, um, fits and starts, giving up on it because I didn't think it was any good or I didn't think anybody would read it or I didn't think I could get it published or, you know, whatever, any of the 20,000 doubts that entered my, my mind. Uh, And so something just said, Brandon, even if nobody reads this, like this is a story worth telling. And so I just kept at it. I mean, I was working full-time jobs and, um, I went back to school and finished my undergrad degree, had two kids, uh, you know, did some, some fun things while I was working on on this, but just kind of plugged along and, uh, and finally finished it. Um, and, and like I said, been honored and, uh, excited to, to share it with the world. Yeah. So the wages of grace is the title. Talk about that. You, I mean, you mentioned a basic, like, two sentence of uh, of what the premise of the novel is, but maybe expand a little more on on the title and why that title. Sure, um, and I think the title came to me pretty early on, actually, and it wasn't 
it, it, it was unique enough and, and it, it just kind of hit me, hit me in a good way at the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I grew up in church in a pretty conservative church and you always heard about the wages of sin and exactly. Yeah. I thought, I, I figured you'd mention that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so the title is, is definitely a play on, on scripture and, and interestingly enough, as time's gone on, um, it's become a lot dearer to me because, you know, I've come to understand religion, faith, you know, whatever you, you want to call it, God, um, as a much more loving force than, uh, a judgmental force. And so I think we almost, we hinged on that wages of sin when the whole point is the opposite of that in terms of like, you know, like I still identify as a Christian. Um, I'm not completely comfortable with the word, but uh, you know, I still follow Jesus and there's a long story behind that in terms of, of why I'm comfortable with that term. Um, oddly enough, some of it has to do with my interest in the Sikh religion. Um, maybe that's another story, but, uh, I really, really got hung up on this idea that Jesus forgives on the cross, the very people who murder him. And so the title kind of wove itself into the story from the perspective of, this one brother who sincerely believes maybe even without evidence that his older brother had some part to play in the death of his true love in this story. Uh, and so it really became a question of how, how far could you go to forgive? And, and also from the standpoint of, you know, forgiveness isn't quite free. It costs us something to get over that hurdle of like letting go of our own, um, letting go of our grudges and letting go of our own desire to be right and to control the situation. And so there is something that forgiveness costs you. Um, but ultimately I think the book is asking the questions of like, is it worth it? And, and who, who becomes free when you let go of those things? Is it the person that, um, that you've been holding it against the person who you've been holding this thing over, over their head? Or do you begin to realize that it's you who has been in this prison of grudges and, and unforgiveness? And so, um, that's definitely a, like I said, it's a, it's a play on that scripture. And, uh, I just thought it was really fitting, uh, for this story in particular. So I, I've never written fiction, but I, I, I read fiction. Well, it depends um, on who you ask, Matthew. <laughs> but, um, good one. Yeah. So yeah, all my theological books are fiction. fiction. They're they're not biblical. They're not sound doctrine, brother. Cocktail of disgusting lies. Yeah. That's a good one. Uh, From the professor of word vomit himself. (laughs) Um, But, but aside from those people, um, I, I, I write nonfiction. Do you find that in fiction you can get across a message to a broader audience without having to be too explicit in what you're trying to 
maybe say theologically or theoretically? Yeah, that's, that's definitely true. Um, I mean, for instance, you know, there, there are, are people on my friends list who are probably going to have some questions about me coming on a podcast called Apostates Anonymous. Um, but, and maybe people who have read the book and who have enjoyed the novel. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm big on, on subtlety, maybe not as much as I'd like to be in terms of, of my craft just yet, but, um, yeah, I couldn't do, I couldn't do a theology type nonfiction right now. Um, just particularly because I, I feel like I would be plagiarizing so many other people, yourself included, who I'm just taking these ideas from. Whereas with fiction, uh, you know, it really, my approach to it is you let the characters do what they're going to do. And um, I think, I think Donald Miller talks about that, about like, not don't judge your characters. And so when you have a character that maybe you like and they do something reprehensible, don't judge them for it. Just let them do what they do. And it kind of turns out at the end of the day, a lot of times that there was some part of you that needed out right there. And that's been an interesting, that's been an interesting thing too, because at first, and I realize I'm getting slightly off subject here, but at first I really identified with the main character who is kind of, um, I mean, he's, he's the good guy in this sense. He's the guy struggling with forgiveness and, um, you know, but he's noble. He, he has like ideals and and those kinds of things. Um, and then the more that I got into writing it, I identified with his older brother who is kind of smart, but like not the smartest guy in the room at any point in time. And also, uh, is just a son of a bitch in, in certain instances and has these impulses that are not ideal and, you know, but he's also a very human character. And so, um, yeah, I think in terms of fiction, like my exploration of that, it's a way for people to, because, you know, for, for, uh, since humanity has been around, we've been telling each other stories and, uh, that's a lot of way that we, you know, we can insert ourselves into these ideas without um, necessarily having the fight or flight of reading a theology book that may really challenge us, um, you know, in, in terms of the way that we're thinking or the way that we've been raised. Whereas, yeah, in a fiction book, you can do that a little bit more subtly. And even if somebody just comes away with this idea of, ah, you know, I really saw myself in that character and I never thought about it that way. Uh, I think that can open doors and, you know, open people's minds up maybe in a way that, um, that they wouldn't otherwise be ready for. Yeah. Cause I, I always found it fascinating and I'm sure you're familiar with the shack, um, yeah. that there were, I mean, at my former church, which is very fundamentalist, um, they were, a lot of them were reading the shack and I'm like, have you ever listened to William Paul Young talk? Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, we had, we had him on the heretic happy hour. Um, do you know what the guy's saying? Um, yeah, because yeah. you're reading this book and you, you like it, you know? So it's like, yeah. huh, there's gotta yeah. be something going on here in the yeah. subtlety because I'm not subtle if, uh, you know, shocking, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
But in fiction, maybe you're, maybe you can be a little more subtle. You can you can hide things in, and not not that you're trying to deceive, but you're just letting, like you said, the characters kind of play out the way the characters would, and let the message just be the message of what naturally comes. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think that there. One of the things from from my time playing music that I learned, um, there was a, a kind of a mentor of mine who um, who advi- strongly advised me, like if you if you do end up playing music, if you do end up having a following, and somebody asks you what a song means, never tell them. Like, yeah. ask them what they think it means. And I think that's part of the beauty of fiction too, is that everybody's going to come away with something different. Um, and I think a lot of it depends on where you are in life. Um, what your background is for some people, it's just going to be like, it's going to be a story that they liked for some people. Um, you know, they will see a lot more in it. Uh, you know, and that's what I, that's what I hope for in a sense is, you know, I, I do hope for the people I do hope for people who want to read fiction and want to be engaged in something um, instead of just distracting from something. Yeah, no, I, I like that. That's great advice to um, I, I always say, and I got this from my friend, Mike, like in life, there's no meaning to life because the minute the minute we say that life means this or this is the meaning of life. I think is the way is is when we diminish all the potential meaning that we can draw out of it. So just allow a dance to be a dance, just allow a song to be a yeah. song, and and allow people's life uh, experiences to draw different meaning that you, as a songwriter or a novelist or anything, may not have even considered. And I yeah. think that's beautiful because then it's almost like a collaboration, like. They are sort of writing the story after the story, right? You're writing the story, but they're drawing out the different meaning. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Yeah, you know, I go back to being in a museum and uh, just walking through the halls and and different people can look at the same painting. Uh, One can be reduced to tears and the other can say, Oh, like my kid could have done that, you know? Right. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely, uh, it's, it's a medium that I really enjoy. I mean, I've always been into music obviously and, and film even, um, you know, I, I worked for six years or so in the video production industry telling stories and, um, it's always been something that I've enjoyed and, and yeah. And to leave, you know, you can leave people nuggets of things that uh it is really like i uh i think it's um maybe hemingway don't quote me on this but that that basically said that uh writing is easy all you have to do is sit there and bleed you know <laughs> and and i mean that you know that really is true like you pour your heart into it and and like i mentioned earlier these characters do things that you didn't intend Uh, you didn't set out for them to go down this path and all of a sudden they're down there and, you know, maybe you're fighting it at first, but then you kind of realize, um, Oh, like that makes a lot of sense. Uh, or sometimes it doesn't, but they're just human. And so, and I, and I think that that's what in the sense of meaning, that's, what's so beautiful about it is that, you know, 
it's a human writing the story and it's also humans experiencing the story. And so we're all going to bring meaning to it. We're all going to take different things away from it. Um, and yeah, that's, that's part of what I've always wanted to create part of what I've always thought was beautiful about art in general, um, is just being part of, of the larger community. And, and also, you know, what's fascinating. I mean, for instance, uh, revolutionary road is one of my, my all time favorite novels. Um, and like a jerk, the author's name is escaping me at the moment. Um, but he, you know, he wrote this novel in like 1956, I think it was published. And it's this incredibly, um, prophetic view of American culture, particularly suburban culture at the time, and didn't really gain any notoriety while he was alive. <laughs> and then, uh, after he died, it kind of picked up steam and then, uh, it became a film with Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet. But anyway, it's a novel that, um, I read it and it's so raw and so human and there's these, you know, this husband and wife character who who have these fights and like literally after 16 pages of this argument that they have, I'm thinking to myself, I have had that exact same argument with my wife. (laughs) Like (laughs) it's such a universal experience, but like even those words and like the way I approach things as a husband and the way she approached things as a wife and, you know, uh, and so, yeah. And that's, you know, 60 years, 70 years after it was published. And so the ability for those types of things, those types of human stories to, to live on is, uh, is meaningful to me too. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about the cover. I know that the, yeah. the old, the old adage goes, uh, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. And, and to some extent, fair enough, but as as Ralph Palendo, um, you know, the owner of Choir said, yeah, you, people are going to judge it by by the cover. So, you <laughs> yeah, know, pretty much every time. Yeah, <laughs> let's make let's make a damn good cover. And and your your covers. Great. Let's um, explain it to me without giving, you know, any spoilers or anything. Yeah, sure. Um, well, there's an interesting story behind the cover, too. Um, so I you know, the goal was always to self-publish. Uh at the time, I didn't really, even when the novel was finished, I didn't particularly want to go like the big publisher route. I, I knew I didn't want to do that. So I was kind of, um, it was playing around with some covers with a, with a friend of mine. And then, um, oddly enough, I mean, gosh, this is probably 2016 or so. Um, my, there's a band from, Hamilton, Ontario called Arkells that I absolutely adore. And, uh, my wife, uh, my, my mom and dad, which they're kind of cool. They're kind of rock and rollers too. Um, so they had never seen Arkells, but my mom loved their records. And so my wife and I, and my parents were going to go see, and my aunt and uncle, we're going to go see Arkells together. So we met at this place in East Nashville at a pizza place. And, uh, my wife and I got there last and my mom wasn't at the table. And so I just assumed, you know, she went to the restroom or whatever. So we're talking and then like 10 minutes later, I asked my dad, I said, where is mom? And he kind of looks over his shoulder and he points and she's like, she's at the bar. And I look over and she's sitting at the bar next to this guy who's like pretty young. And, uh, I made the joke, like, is that my real dad? 
Um, <laughs> but, but as it turned out, uh, my mom is an artist as well. And, uh, you know, she, uh, did fashion design in her college days at fashion Institute of technology or, or fashion illustration, I should say. Um, and so she was going to the restroom and saw this young man, uh, drawing sketching at the counter. And she stood there and watched him draw for a few minutes. And then she asked him, can I watch you draw? And I think his exact words were, it's a little too late for you to ask. And so (laughs) she ended up sitting down next to him and, uh, she told him that I was looking for some help with cover art. And so he gave her a card and she came back to the table, gave me the card and I pulled up his website on my phone and immediately thought, ah, that's great. Cause there's no way I can afford this guy. Uh, and so lo and behold, two days later, he emailed me, uh, out of the blue. And it was one of those like, it was almost like a cold call where he was, you know, Hey, I know this is out of the blue. I don't know if you'd be interested in this long story short. Uh, his name is Derek Hobbs. Um, he's an illustrator that lives here in Nashville. Uh, absolutely incredible work. Uh, so we went out for drinks and we really struck up a friendship. Um, that has been really cool. So, so, he did the cover art for my short story, cast no shadow, uh, that came out a couple years ago. And then we've been working on this one for a long, long time. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's part of it, the front cover, um, the cliffs and the ocean, uh, and the falling girl. Um, yeah, it's, it's part of the story. Um, you know, I don't want to give too much away, but, um, but also her, her pose on there, is is one of um maybe like resigned desperation is is what i like to call it like she's falling and she doesn't want to fall but at the same time there's nothing else that she can do um and so i think that was kind of apropos in terms of of the other characters in the story and then the back cover um is actually an illustration of the lighthouse in cape may new jersey which is um in part where the story takes place. It's a place that's extremely near and dear to my heart, um, as one of my favorite places on the whole planet. And so, um, yeah, so a little homage to that, but, uh, also an important part of the story happens there. So the, the main setting of the story is kind of between like Tennessee and New Jersey. Uh, so a lot of that kind of followed my, um, you know, my path, uh, in terms of, of my own, uh, domiciles. That's a legal word. Sorry. I threw that in there. That's all right. My, my listeners are, (laughs) are, are very highbrow for sure. For sure. And domicile is not the most highbrow word. So I didn't want to act like, but I just, yeah. Anyway. (laughs) No. Okay. It's Um, kind of a specific, you know, anyway, I have to, I have to ask, there is a character named Thierry, correct? There is. Yes. Is that, is that after Thierry Henry of Arsenal fame? I never heard of him. I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, yes, I gotta, it is. Uh, you're not a real football fan. I, I'm even getting mad as a Tottenham supporter. I'm like, hey, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yes, it is. A, it's a reference to uh, to King Thierry. Um, I like to try to throw some some Arsenal players' names in there. Uh, my first short story, which is called Camino Real, uh, the the main character's name is Santi after. Uh, 
Santi Cazorla, one of my favorite ever midfielders. And uh, yes, so so Thierry in this story, um, he is the son of immigrants from France. And uh, that, that was how I could kind of, and actually it started with like, I really wanted to name him that. And so I was like, well, I guess I have to tell, you know, like he had to come from France. And so that worked its way into the story as well. Yeah, I thought I, I thought so. I mean, <laughs> it's pretty obvious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And I even I even looked up like I did some re- like, was that even a name? Because, you know, the character you know, was born in the late 1920s and I had to look up like, was that even a name back then? And, you know, sure enough, it was around. It wasn't super popular, but it was around in France. Okay, so you got away with it. Yeah, yeah. That was a, a fun aspect, too, as a bit of a history nerd myself. Um, I mean, the the story, you know, it's, it's Depression era all the way through the Second World War and into the early 50s. And um, so it was in, it was fun for me to research a lot of those types of things in terms of, um, you know, how how people actually lived and, and uh, you know, all, all of that kind of thing and, and try to insert some of that as well as some of my own family history uh, into the story. Yeah, and that was that was going to be something I wanted to ask you about. And if you're going to cover such a broad, um, not that it's super broad, but you've got a pretty broad range, uh, you know, a time time frame there. Yeah, um, you've got to make sure you're on top of your game so that nothing really stands out. And sure, some people aren't going to know if um, you know this hadn't been invented yet, and you're talking about it in the 20s or 30s. Yeah, but people are, you know, people are smart. And, and, you know, you got to make sure that you're covering your ass to make sure that it's time. (laughs) It's, it's, it's period piece appropriate. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, like I said, I, that's, it's an interest of mine. And so I had a lot of fun with that kind of thing. And, and that was actually one of the things that my dad mentioned to me when, when he read the, uh, the novel for the first time was there's a, uh, there's a scene where, uh, Thierry has a flat tire and I, I mentioned, uh, in the book, uh, that the tire irons, uh, multiple were missing from the, from the trunk. He couldn't find them. And my dad was like, and I'm not a car guy either. So it's, it's kind of funny too, that my dad felt like he had to mention this to me, but he was like, well, you know, most cars come with a tire iron singular. And I was like, aha, but back then on this particular, you know, model car, it would have been like the white walled tires with actual tubes in them. And so that would have come. And so like, I actually researched that in terms of there would have been multiple tire irons to take the tube out of this tire. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, so I really kind of geeked out on that kind of thing. Um, I'm sure, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sure there's something in there that's, uh, you know, not exactly period appropriate, but, um, you know, I did my best. And then even a, a lot of the, um, for I think chapter five takes place in 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 Europe as uh, Thierry is fighting in the Second World War, and I did some research on the like the K rations that that the army would have provided and those kinds of things, so that uh, hopefully even down to what he was eating was was fairly period appropriate. I I, I got to tip you, tip my hat that you got down to whether a tire iron is plural or not. So bravo, <laughs> and 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 I'll say like. I mean, even the best movies out there, Gandalf is wearing a wristwatch in a scene. So, <laughs> you know, even, <laughs> you know even, even even the best miss something. 
Oh, for sure. It's it's one of the things that uh, the guy that I did uh, that I made movies with, uh, Jamie Jean, that he he always loves to point out is in The Walking Dead. Uh, I think it's in the second season, which is, you know, this like huge budget, uh, you know, network thing uh, that there, there are two characters. And forgive me, I have not gotten into The Walking Dead just yet. It's on my list. I've been a little busy. Um, but there are two characters in a truck and then the next shot is uh, a drone shot of their vehicle. And like, it's a completely different truck, <laughs> like oh, completely yeah. different, you know, uh, make and model and everything. <laughs> so, yeah, I just know, I just noticed the other day, uh, my wife and I love the office and we were yeah. watching the office and there's a scene when, um, you know, are you familiar with the office? Oh, of course. Okay. So after yeah, that Michael one, I have Smith- watched. Yeah, Michael Scott Paper Company's getting uh, bought out by Dunder Mifflin after yes. Mike. So they're in the conference room and they're negotiating, and then there's a scene, and it pans by the window, and they're no longer in the in the conference room. So it's like even these great, you know, amazing yeah. shows that you've got these, um, you've got these fuck ups. I'll just say that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So uh, um, you know, my book is not guaranteed to be fuck up free, but. <laughs> you know, hopefully it's enjoyable anyway. It is enjoyable. And I must thank you that this is thank the first you. time that I've been featured quoting, uh, you know, in an endorsement on, on a cover. So thank you. Awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you were fortunate enough to be one of the only people that got back to me in time for printing. So, and it was a beautiful quote. I, you know, thank you. So it worked out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, 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 I don't put my name to things that I don't, approve of and uh so it is a good it is a good book your short story um what was it cast no shadow yeah that one i i was very angry at you because it hurt but it was so brilliant <laughs> and, I, and i say that i say that in the in the within the best of ways like it um not to change gears you're here to talk about the wages of grace but just i knew the minute i read that book i was like okay this is some good writing and and I know it because I feel it, and I feel very angry. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, that one. Uh, I, yeah, that that one angered me as well. And you know, honestly, that was one. And I, I assume you're mostly talking about the ending. Sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, that was one that angered me too because it wasn't necessarily where I was going. And then that was another one of those where a character just did something, and then I looked back and I was like, "Oh, that makes sense." <laughs> And, uh, and I've kind of had to leave it there. Um, and you know, I've had a few people that have, that have asked me about writing a sequel to it, but, um, I don't know. I just, I, I don't want to, I don't want to open up a can of worms on that. You know, I feel like it's, um, which, you know, maybe one day that might be a, like a legal type sequel, uh, would make sense. But, uh, but for the time being, yeah, I was, um, I was happy with, with the way that one came out and yeah. And I think on, on a lot of levels, it, it made me angry too. I mean, uh, ultimately as a look at, you know, we've glorified, um, violence for so long in our culture and particularly this idea of like just violence. And, um, and I don't just mean, you know, I know you and I have had a lot of conversations along these lines over the years, but you know, I don't just mean somebody's attacking your wife. What do you do? I mean, in terms of, um, we're the good guys and other people are the bad guys or, uh, you know, even the militarism that we see in America, which, um, you know, 
you have respect for people who have served the country, obviously, and, and for the incredible amount of sacrifice that's been made. And it's like the world that we have today is the world that we have today because of what happened and because of sacrifices that people have made. But that doesn't mean we should glorify the idea of, you know, nuking people or bombing, you know, to quote, I forget who said this, but, you know, bombing the shit out of people. Um, I think that was, and, uh, hey, I think that might've been Hayes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm probably not, but, um, but no, but I mean, but, but this idea that, uh, that, that doesn't affect us in some way, um, that we can kind of, we're the good guys. So our hands are clean and it doesn't affect our children and it doesn't affect our own souls. So that, yeah, cast no shadow was kind of a, a look into that and, and, um, where I was at the time. And it was a really, it was really enjoyable to write. Uh, and again, yeah, the response that I got to, to that story was, uh, um, was really nice too. And it's probably a, a 40 minute read so it's not a you know not quite biting off uh, a whole novel but um you know but again even a short story and a novel they're two almost separate i mean they are two separate forms um whereas you know in a short story i feel like you have to make every word count towards something um every sentence matters it's not to say that that's not true in a novel, but when you're writing a novel, you have a lot more leeway to like let things linger uh, or let things develop over time. Um, and, and that was enjoyable too, um, kind of going back and forth between the short stories and the, the longer work. So, yeah, but, but I think in both instances, you've done a, you've done a good job and you and you've said it on this podcast, and, and I agree with you that your characters dictate what happens, and it even surprises you. And I think that is the sign of a writer who is in charge of his craft. You don't have, you're not bringing your ego and your uh, power over idea. You're letting the characters write the story, and and I've got to I've got to tip my cap to you on that. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, that's, it's a big part of it for me because I, I have read a lot of published fiction that was, um, you know, even some of the, the quote classics that, that were just, I felt like were devoid of humanity or the characters just do things that, um, maybe you would expect or, or they do things because they're supposed to. Uh, and so for me, in terms of whatever art that I've wanted to create from songwriting, um, to, you know, these works of fiction, it's always just been about like an authentic human experience, because I think that's what resonates with our souls. I mean, that's what, when we come away from a story, um, and, you know, going back to, to Donald Miller, like he has a whole, um, a whole thing about, you know, if you read a story about somebody who really wanted a Volkswagen and they went to work every day and like at the end of the story, they drove off the lot with a Volkswagen, like that wouldn't really be a moving story because they, you know, the characters didn't, they didn't want anything that was particularly meaningful, like on a human level. Um, and so, yeah. And dealing with, um, in this story with, with, poverty and racism and um 
domestic violence and uh, addiction and lust and teenage love and religion and ultimately um, forgiveness and what it means to be free. Uh, yeah, I just, it was important to me for it to be raw and, and to, to feel real. Yeah, no, well, well, if that was your goal, I think you accomplished that. So, um, I, I will link everything in the show notes, but for the listeners, where can they get this book? I'm assuming Amazon and the like, but, um, is there a website yeah. that they can, uh, that they can connect with you at? Yes, it's uh, it's on Amazon, and then uh, if they go to thewagesofgrace.com, uh, all of the places where it's available, if you've got a particular favorite e-reader or um, you know bookstore where you get your books, uh, and then brandondragon.com is my website, and uh, all my social media links are, uh, are on there. Cool. Well, yeah, I'll make sure to uh, to link in the show notes as well. I would just encourage all the readers or all the listeners to become readers of of your novel because it is an entertaining read. It is a little long, but I, uh, I got no problem with that. I'm a Tolkien nerd, so bring it on. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's not Tolkien long. Come on. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> and also, it's... that's wish that's witchcraft. You shouldn't be reading it. Oh, stop it! <laughs> stop it! I've always loved that. Like, um, I always, I always love when, uh, like certain, certain religious folks would get mad at like Harry Potter and stuff. And it's like, have yeah, you read yeah. Tolkien? Like, come on. Yeah. Or C.S. Lewis. They walk into 50, a wardrobe and go to Narnia. Come on. <laughs> 50 Shades of Grey is okay, but not the witchcraft. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, I, uh, I look forward to having you back on, uh, for football Fridays, but I'm glad for you sure. came on. Glad you came on the regular show to talk about our actual work that we do and not this bullshit we do on the weekend. Yeah, for sure, man. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Much appreciated. Anytime, man. Uh, Peace and love. Give my best to all of your family. Yeah, yeah. Same here, man. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed that. I did. I sure did. A huge shout out one more time before we sign off here to Brandon. Again, if any of uh, what we were talking about sounds good to you and you are a reader, which you're all smart. Everyone who listens to this show is a reader, of course. What kind of dumbasses would you be without reading? Um, (laughs) Go pick up Brandon's book. Again, check out the show notes uh, for the link thewagesofgrace.com I don't know what else to tell you. Go buy the book. And uh, one last thing. I do know what else to tell you. One last thing. Once you read the book, this is huge for authors. And anyone. Anyone creating anything. uh, Go to Amazon. Even if you don't get it from Amazon, go to Amazon. uh, And give a review. (laughs) Those are super helpful. Um, You know, it's like, uh, it's like, it's like if you go out to eat somewhere and you're not sure where to go and you check out the, the reviews. You're not going to go to a place that has no reviews probably, uh, especially if there's another restaurant down the block that has like, you know, 250 reviews and it's like 4.8 rating or something. So likewise, uh, if you're not sure what book to pick up and you come across a book with no reviews, well, you're probably not going to pick it up. I mean, it's just the way we are. If you see something with like 50 reviews and they're all like 4.8, 4.9 average, 
you might go, oh, after you read the description, you go, oh, this is a pretty damn good book. This is a, I don't know why my voice is going out. I swear I don't have the COVID. I hope to God. Um, you know, so so do that after you read the book. Go over to Amazon, the Amazon page. You can find it. You're small, smart people. And uh, give a review. And that always helps authors out. So again, Brandon, thank you for coming on. Everyone, thank you for listening. All my Patreon supporters, thank you for supporting the show. Peace and love to all of you. Hope you have a great week. Stay safe out there. Wear a goddamn mask. And uh, we'll see you. I'll see you on Football Fridays. And if that's not your thing, I'll see you next Monday. Peace. Mm-hmm.